0: Wonderful, wonderful time we've had together from the announcements to the baptism, to the songs, all of it. Fantastic. Revelation chapter 4. To God be the glory. He deserves it all. And uh, I believe he is pleased with that this morning. Wonderful. Well, let's begin uh, our Bible study this morning in Revelation 4. And the message today that we are going to, to look into, if you will, with me is... Literally, the throne room of God. What a challenge for me today. I've been thinking about this message for two or three weeks and trying to uh, do it justice. And it has not been easy to prepare because as I read Revelation chapter 4 and recognize that what's happening here is God is allowing a human being like you and like me. John was a human being. There was no difference between John than you or me. And God said, John, I'm going to let you do something I've never let anyone do before. I'm going to let you get a little glimpse of heaven, and in addition to that, John, I, I'm going to let you see the throne room of God. And that's not easy to preach. <laughs> that's a challenge. Now, I guess if I was just going to get up here and just kind of talk and share and get through it so we can go eat. Yeah, maybe it'd be a lot easier. But if you take it serious and and, and you really begin to, to meditate on these words and allow them to overcome you and overtake you. And then it becomes an entirely different presentation. This is God himself revealing to us Jesus Christ. He is appearing to John, revealing to him This is what heaven is like. And from it, we can learn this. How do we approach heaven? Now, I mean, as finite human beings, those of us who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and those of us, maybe today, who will meet Him for the very first time and and be saved, how do you and I prepare ourselves to approach the throne room of God And how does that look today, even this morning, in this worship service as we just sang new songs to Him? How to approach heaven? Four ways. I want you to write down this first one. Number one, come and see with me in Revelation chapter 4 that God is, first of all, He is welcoming. We have a welcoming God here when it comes to approaching heaven. Look at verse 1. After this. After what? After Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3. After all these things he talked about to the church and what we should be doing with our lives until, uh, until he comes for us. He says, after all of that, I looked. And John said, I beheld a door was opened in heaven. Now, who opened the door in heaven? I didn't open the door in heaven. You didn't open the door in heaven, right? Who opened the door in heaven? God opened the door in heaven. So so John sees God the Father opening the door. And the door was opened because of God's Son, Jesus Christ. You and I only have access to the throne room of God because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. It's the only reason why this door could ever be opened is because Jesus Christ provided a way for it to be opened or it would never be opened and you and i could never go in but thank god that jesus christ opened that door i don't think we can rush over that do you i don't think we can skip over that i don't think we can just read revelation chapter four after this i looked and behold the door was opened in heaven At the first how do you how do you skip over a door that is opened in heaven this is an amazing door This is a door that you and I are going to literally walk through. Come and see that God is welcoming. A personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ is available to everyone. Everyone has this opportunity. Everyone has a relationship, a personal relationship waiting for them if they will choose Jesus God opened this door. God did all the work. You and I don't have to do anything to open this door. God did it all. If you look back in verse 1, it says that a door was opened in heaven. Heaven is only mentioned one of a time up to this point in Revelation. Chapter 3 mentions heaven. But this is the first time uh, the word heaven is mentioned literally speaking of a place. What is this place? In your notes, I have described this place as the future home for all who have been saved from the consequences of their sin through faith in Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that. Please meditate on that. Heaven is the future home for all who have been saved from the consequences of their sin through faith in Jesus Christ. This, my friends, is the gospel. This is the gospel. So let's stop and give the gospel. Since the Bible has provided a way for me to do that in the opening remarks of my message, let's not wait to the end. Let's not close with the gospel. Let's open with the gospel. And let's choose just one verse in Scripture. Let's just go to Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23 on the screen. For the wages of sin is death. Think with me for just a moment about what the wages what wages are. Wages are what? Does someone know what wages wages are? Wages are paid. They are what you get for what you do. Right? So wages are what you get for what you do. And, and my friends, we have all sinned. And what we get for what we have done is the consequences of our sin. And the Bible says that's death. And death here, not speaking of a physical death, because it's appointed that all men will one day die. But this is a spiritual death. This is separation from God forever. That's the consequences of our sin. That's what we get for what we've done. The wages of sin is death. But that is the greatest but in all the Bible. Thank God for that B-U-T. Hallelujah. But the gift... The gift of God. I love that word gift. What do you have to do to make a gift your own? You have to what? Receive it. That's it. If, If I'm to make a gift my own, all I have to do, I don't have to pay for that gift. It's already been paid for. Somebody's already purchased that gift and they want to give me this gift. And all I have to do is simply receive the gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? This gift that all I have to do is receive to make it my own is eternal life. It's the door. It's the door that's been opened. That, that door that I can walk through if I but receive Jesus Christ. Kind of A, B, C. Accept the fact that you're a sinner. A, accept the fact that you're a sinner. All of us have sinned for the wages of sin is death. B, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on Him. He died for your sins, and He rose again from the dead to prove that He was God. And if you believe on Him through Jesus Christ, believe on Him. And then C, confess. Confess Him as your Lord and Savior. Confess Him. Let the whole world know, like this young man did this morning, that He is my Lord and Savior, and I am not ashamed of Him. Confess him as Lord. That's salvation. That's the gospel. Let me ask you a question this morning. Everybody under the sound of my voice. Have you opened that gift and made it your own? Have you done that? Have you opened that gift and made it your own? If you have not, do it now. Do it right now. Right now. Where you're seated. Right now. Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess him as Lord and Savior. Accept the fact that you are a sinner, but he died for your sin. He wants to save you today. And then in just a moment, at the end of the service, make that public. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Make it public. Let someone know. Today, this morning, in your message, sitting in my pew, I did that. I, I accepted Jesus. That's the gospel. Look at verse number one as we just kind of finish it. A door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard. That first voice which John heard, the Bible says he heard it as if it were a trumpet talking to him. Well, let's remember back when we studied a few weeks ago, Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. You can just turn a couple of pages back if you'd like to see it for yourself. It says that John was in the spirit on the Lord's day and he heard behind him a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I'm the Alpha and Omega. That voice was the voice of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was talking to John. Literally, the voice of Jesus spoke these words to John: "Come up hither." Those are great words, aren't they? Uh, Jesus saying to John, "Come on up here, John. Come, come on." Have you ever taken a tour of some place? Maybe you, you know, you you you, uh, you you're traveling somewhere, and <clears throat> I know my wife and I we when we traveled to to Paris and Rome for our 25th wedding anniversary. We went to some pretty cool places and took quite a few tours. We had to spend some money to get those tours. Went to the Vatican and we went to different, uh, you know, the Colosseum in Rome and different places. And, and uh, you know, you, you'd have a, at some point there would be a place where they would say, come in. Come on. And they'd give you a tour guide and someone would take you around and show you these magnificent places. Can you imagine if you and I today could see heaven come on come come, come on kim let me let me show you let me give you a little i got some things look look at verse one again it's so much more real if you read i will show thee things which must be hereafter what john is going to hear from jesus is a lot more than he knows he's going to hear about the end times he's going to hear about the, the wrath that is to come the tribulation all of the end time events that are coming upon us even as we sit in this building this morning. But, but John, Jesus says, John, before we do that, and we'll see that in chapters 4 and 5. Because chapters 4 and 5 give us a glimpse of heaven. And then it all stops at chapter 6. Okay, So enjoy it while we can. John, uh, Jesus says, John, come on up here. I'm going to give you a quick tour. Just a quick tour. And then we're going to get down to the nitty gritty. We're going to get down to the stuff that I really want to talk with you about. But first... But first, John, come up here. Let me show you some things. Look at verse 2. And immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne. A throne. The first thing he saw was a throne. You know, sometimes I think we put way too much emphasis on our mansion. I don't care if we ever sing the song, I want a mansion. I could care less if we ever sing that song again. Doesn't do much for me anymore. I don't think, I think we put way too much emphasis on the streets of gold, on the gates of pearl. Church, when we get to heaven, according to John chapter number four, the first thing we're going to see is a throne. A throne that's been there forever and ever and ever. It is a fixture in heaven. Behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Two times here we see the word throne in one verse. What is a throne? A ruler's throne is a symbol of their authority. Let me give you real quickly five things about God's throne in Scripture. Number one, God's throne is in heaven. God's throne is in heaven. Psalm chapter 11, in verse number four the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne, look at it on the screen, is in where, church? Heaven. The throne of God is in heaven. Number two, God's throne is surrounded by angels. In 1 Kings, in chapter 22, in verse 19, the scripture says, And he said, Hear thou, therefore, the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. I saw angels, the host of heaven. Another kind of a supportive scripture would be Revelation chapter 5. If you just turn one page in verse number 11. We'll look at this next week. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And the beast and the, uh, uh, and the elders and the number of them, these angels. 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. This is what John saw. John saw what you and I are going to see. Can you believe it? Number three, God's throne is holy. His throne is holy. You have no idea the significance of the songs we sang this morning. Honestly, I don't tell these guys what to sing. I I suggested holy, holy, holy. That's all. But I just suggested it. said, look, the Lord lays on your heart to sing that. But God's throne is holy. Think about uh, Psalm 47, verse 8, where Scripture tells us. That God reigneth over the heathen, God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. That's where God sits. He sits on a holy throne. A lot of significance to that. We'll see that in a moment. God's throne is majestic. Oh, listen. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. In Daniel, in chapter number 7, in verse 9 and 10 little wordy here, but but pay attention. It says, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit. Talking about a throne here where God sat, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire, a fiery stream issued and came forth from him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set, the books were opened. His throne, according to Daniel 7, 9 and 10, was majestic. Fire and wheel. This is incredible. It's awesome. This is so overwhelming. This is something you and I, it blows our minds. It, we can't even contain it. We can't understand it. This throne is not some chair. That's <laughs> wobbly. This is not a rocking chair where an old man is sitting. No, this is a majestic throne. Number five, God's throne is eternal. Psalm chapter 45 and verse 6, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And an ancillary verse that says the same thing, Hebrews 1, 8, but unto the Son, he said, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. There's other scriptures. We'll just take those two because those two say exactly what I need for them to say to support the fact that God's throne is forever. It always has been and it always will be God's throne. But Satan also has a throne. He does. We see Satan's throne in Revelation 13, verse 2. And the beast which I saw was likened unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear. And his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him power. And then notice those last words, and his seat and great authority. That word seat there is another word for throne The devil, speaking of Satan himself, having a throne. So there's two thrones, church. Let's get that settled as of today, right now, as we speak. There is a throne in heaven. There is a throne where God sits. And there is a throne where the devil sits. So the God of this world has a throne, little g God. And the God who created him has a throne. And one day, one of those thrones is going to fall and the other is going to stand for all eternity. So let me let me give something to you here today. When we say these words, Oh, Brother Posey, don't you worry about nothing. God's on the throne. We better be careful that we don't just use that as some kind of little cliche because it's much more than a cliche. When we say God is on the throne... We're speaking of an eternal God who will forever and ever sit on that throne. He rules and reigns over the affairs of this earth. And one day, Satan will be conquered and forever his throne will be established to rule and reign the world forever. So God is on the throne. It's not just some little whim bitty to make us feel a little bit better about our circumstances. It's big time stuff. Come and see God is welcoming. Number two, come and know that God is Come and know that God is awesome. Awesome is an incredible word. I need to make an apology to the church. Because often I have said things are awesome. And I I honestly feel as if I have taken that word and I'm, I'm, I'm making a point is not some sort of confession that I've, you know, been unfaithful to my wife. Don't worry. (laughs) Everything's good there. It's a confession that I've taken the word awesome and said, oh, man. Man, oh, well. Man, those shoes are awesome. And that phone, man, that's an awesome phone. Man, oh, well, your voice is awesome. Awesome. Get it? You see, when I say God is awesome, I mean jaw-dropping, mind-blowing, knee-buckling, life-altering, awesome! I mean, like, so awesome that it's hard to even talk about God, sing about God, without expressing some sort of awe about God. It's like I can't preach this part. Like, I mean, jaw-dropping, mind-blowing, knee-buckling, life-altering, awesome. How do do you do that? No, 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 no. No, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Let all the earth sing. Let all the earth praise. He's, he alone is worthy. This is something that is so awesome. He is. His throne is so awesome. Can I? Can I somehow tell you how awesome God is? He is so all-producing. I say a lot of things are awesome, but I'm wrong. They're not awesome. God is awesome. Let me show you how awesome God is. I can't. John tried. He said in verse 3, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper. Like a jasper. I don't have time to develop all this, but I did look up the word jasper. And there's a lot of different things about jasper. Crystal, uh, crystal crystal-like stone, uh, like unto a diamond, someone wrote. It's kind of another term, in other words, uh, for the word diamond. And so here we have some sort of a massive, light-producing jasper on the throne of God. You can only imagine how much of this must be on this throne. And it's so brilliant, so phenomenal. John says, he that sat on it to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, like a ruby. So diamonds and rubies. And there was a rainbow, a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto emerald or green. I've been to Hawaii a few times and to visit family and speak at my brother-in-law's church. And one of our big things when we go to Hawaii is how many, how many rainbows will we see for the seven days we're there? There have been times where we've seen 10, 15 rainbows a day. And there's been other times we haven't seen that many, but sometimes we see rainbows every, oh, there's a rainbow, there's a rainbow, another rainbow, it's a rainbow. They're beautiful, they're brilliant in their color, uh, they're, they're just awesome. Can you imagine with me, church, looking at the throne of God in these diamonds and rubies and
1: rainbows?
0: It seems as if we're being, what's being described here is something that is so beautiful. And John is saying here, it was so awesome. I think what John is saying here, if I could just read into it a little bit, I could not adequately tell you what I'm looking at. It's like nothing you've ever seen. Uh, You've never seen anything like this. I'm telling you, it's incredible. Can you hear that in that scripture? I can hear those words. This is so unbelievable. It's awesome. And then there's these elders in verse 4. Who are these people? In verse 4, it says, And round about the throne, this throne with the diamonds and rainbows and rubies, were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting. And as I began to take some time to just study who they were, uh, there are different thoughts and opinions and some different suggestions, and there's some that are kind of far out there. Like someone said, these are angels, which I, have, I, I, I don't have any problem Not believing that one. I do believe these are people. These are, I believe, these are saints of God. I believe they represent all of us who have lived for Jesus Christ. All of the saints of God. If you are a born-again Christian, I know this is hard for some of us to believe, but you're a saint. Kind of doesn't fit, does it? I mean, look at the person sitting next to you and say, I'm a saint. (laughs) and guess what they just said oh yeah right (laughs) you obviously don't know who you're talking about you know but i'm convinced that as we study revelation and we we constantly have to refer back sometimes to passages like revelation 321 to him that overcometh will i grant to sit with me in my throne and then verse 12, him that overcometh, of chapter 3, will I make a pillar in the temple of God. Him that overcometh, him that overcometh. And then verse 5 of chapter 3, he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And then chapter 2, and verse 18, and unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write these things. Uh, excuse me, not, not uh, let's see, hold up here. Chapter, uh, oh, where am I? Chapter 2, verse 10, my fault. Chapter 2, verse 10, it uh, says, um, thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. All that to say that there is a group of people that God describes that have overcome for different reasons. And actually, later on, we're going to find out that these people have received crowns for for different things they've accomplished for the cause of Christ. There's a, a soul winner's crown. There's a martyr's crown. There's a crown for the pastor of a church. There's different crowns that, that God gives. And, and I believe as we read these passages that these elders were saints and Christians, 24 believers representing all believers of all time. And then, look with me as we continue to read. I saw 4 and 20 elders sitting clothed in white raiment and they had on their heads crowns of gold so they had been, they had been given these rewards. That hurts. We've got to really slow down. Because out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Out of the throne. How do I describe that? I'll try to do it with with the PA system. We tried to get something much stronger and powerful than that. It was hard to find. We looked everywhere. But I hope you can get some sort of a little picture that, that, that this throne is, is, is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, folks, the God we are worshiping this morning, the God you stood and worshiped this morning, is a God who sits on a throne like we've just described, where lightnings and thunders and voices are coming out of that throne. And then continue to read as it says here in verse 5. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Wow. This is an amazing throne. You know, we just sang a moment ago about that throne. And I don't even know if you realized it. Because a lot of times when we sing in church, do you know what we're singing? We're singing the Bible. What you just sang is what I've just read in Scripture. Listen to it again by Meredith Andrews real quick. Just listen. Our God. That's our God we worship like He's some sort of a thimble, like He's some, some kind of a person walking through the mall. We get more excited about our kid hitting a three pointer than a God who's got all
1: strength and all power and all glory and all honor.
0: No wonder a few people raise their hands in church. Maybe they're getting it. No wonder a few of us are singing from our hearts. No wonder we're understanding that we're using a few instruments because, listen, this is nothing compared to thunder and lightning. A little drum roll is like puke compared to lightning and thunder. Amen. And from the throne of God comes noise, a loud noise, loud noise. Uh, it's too loud in church. I'm sorry, in heaven it's going to be loud. Thunder is loud, lightning is loud. Amen. I'm, all I'm trying to do is get you to see this is not something that I'm taking lightly. This is something I'm taking very seriously. That, that, that we as God's people need a pastor that will get us awake to the fact that we're not talking about visiting some little place where there's a little mansion on a hillside and a little rocking chair with an old man. This is heaven. This is the throne room. This is God. He is awesome. And we're going to worship him forever and ever and ever. Verse six and seven. And before the throne there was a sea of glass, like unto crystal. In the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts, full of eyes before and behind. These beasts, I, I, I don't understand really, what they are or who they are. I just know one thing: they're worshiping God. The first beast was like like a lion. The second beast was like a calf. The third beast had the face of a man. The fourth beast is like a flying eagle. But I know from this scripture, prophecy from the book of Ezekiel, one thing I do know about these these beasts is that they worshipped God continually at the throne. That's what I do know. Number three, come and see that God is welcoming. Come and see that God is awesome. Come and bow, for God is holy. Come and bow. How do we approach heaven? Well, first of all, we're welcomed into heaven. That's incredible. Second of all, we... We're awestruck. We're, we're absolutely blown away by this throne. Thirdly, we bow before God because He alone is worthy. Look at verse 8. The four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest day and not excuse me, they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy. Holy, Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. They continually recognize that God is holy. He alone is worthy. And there was no one like him. We are not holy. God is holy. We are not holy. What is holiness? Notice they didn't say God is love, love, love. That would have been true. They didn't say God is forgiving, forgiving, forgiving. And that would have been true. But they said God is holy, holy, holy. Holy is a summation of everything God is. It's the best word to describe God. He's holy. He is holy. That's why we sing some of these, these old-time hymns. And just before Elijah plays, put on the screen, Ken, just the words. Let's sing this a cappella together.
1: Holy, 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 all the saints adore Thee. Casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. Picture this. Cherubim and seraphim. Falling down before thee. Who was and is and Evermore shall be. Let's do one more. Holy, holy, holy. All thy works shall praise. Excuse me, thee. All thy works shall praise thy name. In earth and sky and sea, think about this. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. You've sung that in a building like this
0: with a screen and a little fiberglass pulpit and a few plants. Can you imagine the throne of God? We're never going to be the same, church. We're never going to be the same. Verse 9 and 10, we're almost done. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne. They fall down. Who are these 4 and 20 elders? Remember I told you, I really believe that's us. I believe they represent all of us. All of us who have served the Lord Jesus Christ, who have truly been disciples of Jesus Christ and followed him. We're going to fall down before that throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And we're going to cast our crowns before the throne. Can I ask you a question, just a personal question? Have you ever done that? Have you ever bowed down? Have you ever gone to an altar and just bowed down to God? Have you ever got somewhere by yourself and just, just bowed? Just, just bowed? Just fall down and worship? Just to express how awesome God is. That's what we're going to do. Can I tell you something about bowing? Life changes when you bow the knee. Everything changes. When you quit worshiping idols and start worshiping Jesus, everything changes. If you've never bowed the knee to Jesus Christ, in just a moment, I want to come. I want to ask you to come and bow today because He is your maker. He is your creator. And then in closing, how to approach heaven? Lastly, come and worship for God is worthy. Come and worship for God is worthy. Verse 11 Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory. You're worthy, God, to receive honor. You're worthy, God, to receive power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. That's the statement that the elders made when they bowed down. Look at verse number 10. They cast their crowns, and they said, Thou art worthy, O Lord. They literally threw their crowns before the throne of God. They realized, oh no, I don't need to be wearing a crown. No, no, I, no, this is not, this is awkward. This is really awkward. God's given me these, no, God, you are worthy. You are only worthy to receive power. You are only worthy to receive glory. God, you've given me some... No, no, God. It's all yours, God. And we cast these crowns at the feet of Jesus. And we say, you're only worthy, God. We're not worthy. You're holy. We're not holy, God. You alone are worthy. And we bow our our knees to the King. Worship Him. This will be how we approach heaven. I was reading a little article from... A preacher by the name of Greg Laurie. He said, we were made to worship God. We were created to fulfill this purpose. God has given talents to each of us. And we need to use them to glorify Him. The result is that when you are fulfilling the purpose you were created for, when you are glorifying God, fellowshipping with Him and worshipping Him, you're going to find pleasure and fulfillment, not from seeking those things in and of themselves, but from having your priorities in order, seeking after God. Seeking after God. Everything we do in life ought to be pointed towards worship. Because guess what we're all doing if we're saved? We're approaching heaven. Every day that goes by, we're one day closer to standing before that throne. Could we do something, church, tonight, Just before or today before we close and bow our heads? Ken, would you put on the screen the things that it says we're going to say when we get to heaven? And could we just say those things together as a church family? I came up with this idea at about 930, and I texted it to Ken. I said, Ken, it says we're going to say these things in heaven. Let's just get some practice. Church, would would you say this with me? Here we go. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. One more time, church. Before the throne of God... Picture his throne, picture that rainbow, those diamonds, the radiance of his glory and beauty, the power, the authority that it represents. And we say together as a church, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're approaching heaven this morning. I didn't do it.